Good morning. Uh, great to see everybody. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, man, we're just so glad you're here. I want to wel- give you a special welcome. For those of you who are joining us online, it's great to see you. Uh, we're, we're excited about that. And, and most of our people will join us online first and then come. So I'm looking forward to seeing you, seeing you soon. Uh, okay, we are in a series called Reset. We're, uh, it's the beginning of the year. It's a great time to be able to reset, to step back and go, okay, how can I do things differently? How do I approach things, things differently? Uh, when I was a uh, young man around the ages of 12 to 13, uh, I was really good with my mouth. I was really quick. I was quick-witted. I was very sarcastic. Um, I, I could make people laugh. And I lied unbelievably. I got so into lying, I couldn't stop. I would lie about the silliest of things. My parents would ask me, hey, what'd you do today? I would actually lie about what I did. No reason to. Like, it didn't, wasn't helpful, it wasn't unhelpful. I just would lie about everything. I would lie to my friends. I would lie to my teachers. My dad would come home and, and, and he would say, well, not come home, I would come home and dad would say, hey, did you get your chores done? And I would lie. Yes. And then, of course, obviously, my dad would find out I lied, and then I would lose my freedom even more. You see, we live in a world, you live in an experience where you're constantly seeking freedom. I love freedom. You love freedom. But it's amazing how the things that we are after, the things that we seek that will bring us freedom, they actually bring us slavery. These things are really connected. And so I was always like, hey, lying will set me free, right? Lying's going to set me free. At any given moment when you lie, it's because you believe it's going to set me free. I'm in trouble. And it does the exact opposite. It, It makes you a slave. It enslaves you. So we presently live in our present time in history where you have more information, more gadgets, more equipment, more talks about how you can be free. I mean, there is, there is no excuse not to be free. I just, I just checked this this weekend. Did you know that you can fly to California in February for $133? That's freedom. Like, you can go anywhere. It's amazing. And oh, all of the equipment that has been the dishwasher, greatest, right, incredible, right, sets you free. Don't have to wash the dishes anymore. Just throw it in there. And yet, we don't find ourselves in a time, we don't actually find ourselves in a time of freedom at all. If you listen to people, they constantly talk about how they feel enslaved how they 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 don't talk about how free they are they talk about how they feel enslaved if you go to the barnes and noble or you go to amazon you can do it right now don't please keep listening to me you can go to amazon right now right and and just look up health self-help books on procrastination it's unending the number of self-help books to help you with procrastination and then any other area of life, you can go, oh, this one here, yeah. Why? 
Because we feel entrapped, right? We feel enslaved. Like this thing, it, it, it controls me. What an invention. What an invention. Do you know how much time you save with this invention? Do you know how much information you have access to with this invention? It's incredible. It's really incredible. There's even this, this, this app on here called TikTok. Did you know the average person spends one hour a day on TikTok? And it is totally useless. It enslaves you. Video games enslave you. The search of more information enslaves you. It's amazing. Did you know that worship and freedom are connected? Do you know that worship and freedom are connected? The Bible lays out this pretty simple little principle in Romans that when, whatever you worship, when you worship the wrong thing, when you worship God, which means you glorify him, you say, hey, he's the greatest, that's where life comes from, and I'm so grateful to him, then you're set free. But when you worship something else, it affects your brain. It doesn't work right anymore. And you, you come up with conclusions to problems that cause slavery to yourself. It affects your heart your ability to relate to other people. And so that which could set you free in your relationships, actually your relationships become slavery to you. It affects your wisdom, your ability, your skill to navigate life. And so you become a slave to those things. It does the exact opposite. Freedom and worship are hugely connected. Now, the good news is you were created to be free. You, you have so incredible amounts of potential. And what you can accomplish in your freedom is off the charts. As parents, the way that you can love your children and prepare them for the future, it's off the charts. As husbands and wives, the way that you can love each other in freedom, it, it, it's incredible. And I don't want to say you can have an amazing marriage. I want to say you can be amazing husbands and amazing wives that, that create life, that live life, that explodes. It's there in your careers. You have the ability, oh, unbelievable ability to, to make money and then be able to use that money to impact people for, in really great ways. The potential is unbelievable. But for some reason, it all turns into slavery. What's the deal? How do we turn this around? What's the piece that we're missing? Let's jump into the Old Testament and see if we can't find the answer to that. Before we do that, let's walk back to what we did uh, last week. We're, we're working through the Old Testament. What we want to help you do is prepare you to be able to read through the Old Testament this year. We want you to, to spend some time with God every day, and we want you to be prepared to read through the Old Testament. A couple things we said last week. One was this. Don't try to figure out the unknown until you're practicing the known. It's 
when you read the Old Testament, right? Like, I don't understand this. Well, are you practicing the part you did understand? Like, do that first, and then it helps the other part come about. The other thing is we, we looked at how the Old Testament is laid out. The Old Testament is actually a, a collection of books. It's not one book. It's a collection of books. And so first you have uh, the, the Torah or the law. And there's a certain way that you read that, interact with that. That's what we've been doing. We'll be doing that for the first three weeks here. And then you have history books. It's written in a narrative. It's written, it's, it's history. Although a lot of what we're doing now is history, it, it's uh, huge spans of history. Um, then comes poetry, like Job, Psalms, Song of Solomon. And you, you study that differently. As you read that, you interact with that differently than you do the other pieces and then there's the prophets, the major and the minor prophets, as you work your way through. And we started in Genesis. We started at the very beginning, in the beginning. And we learned a couple of things. One, we learned that God is the authority. God is the authority. You answer to God. He's your creator. You answer to God. The second thing we learned was God gave you a choice. And he gave you authority. Therefore, you have responsibility. For your choice. You don't go, we don't go through life going, hey, not my fault. It's all fate. It's all just kind of predetermined. No, 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 no. You have a choice. And you're going to answer to God for that choice. He gives you a choice. And when you make that choice, fundamentally, you either choose, I'm going with God, or I'm his enemy. I'm either with him, or I'm against him. The idea that there's this gray area in there, no, God doesn't look at it that way. You're either with him or you're against him. So that was Genesis, really Genesis that we walked our way, our way all, all the way up to the flood. And so that's Genesis 6. And then comes the Tower of Babel after that. And then comes kind of a shift, a whole, the rest of the Bible hinges kind of on this shift and what happens next. What happens next is Abraham. So those first, up to Genesis chapter 12, it's kind of telling you the history of, of mankind. And then you hit Abraham, and God comes to Abraham, and he makes a covenant with him. And if you're going to understand the Old, Old Testament from Genesis chapter 12 on, it's all about this covenant. This covenant is what it's about. If you don't understand how what you're reading relates to the covenant, you, you're, you're missing it. If you don't think the covenant has something to do with it, you're kind of missing it. This covenant's really important. And so, uh, this is what happens in chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And we say it this way. He promised them, he promised him land, seed, that's the nation, and blessing. Not only would he be blessed, but he was going to bless the whole world. Really, the rest of the whole Bible, even the New Testament, is about this promise. It's about this covenant that he makes with him. Then he... Uh, from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through up the 20s, through the 20s, is a story of God interacting with Abraham and bringing this about. 
Then he, then he promises the same promise to his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, verses 2, 2 and 5. He makes the same promise to him, land, seed, blessing. Then, for, then to Jacob, Isaac's son, he makes the same promise, land, seed, and blessing. You may remember the story of this, this stairway that goes up into heaven. That's at the time that he makes that promise to him. And that's in Genesis 28, 12 through 15. Then, with the, the children of Jacob, he promises the children of Jacob a story of Joseph. They go, into, <clears throat> they go into the land of Egypt, and then they're in the land of Egypt, and they, then they, the, the, the pharaohs turn them into slaves. And for about 400 years, they're in the land of Egypt as slaves. So there's this big gap that happens. And then comes Moses. And if you've ever watched the Ten Commandments on TV or anything like that, you know a little bit about Moses. Um, it, it doesn't get it exactly right, but it gives a pretty good picture of it. Right? So you, you know what happens there. And then uh, Pharaoh lets his people go. He comes to, they come to Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai, God is there at Mount Sinai. He's in this cloud above the mountain. He's there, and he says this to Moses. And he makes the same covenant to Moses and the people of Israel. And he says this. He says, Moses, I want you to go tell these people this. You yourselves have, have seen what I did to Egypt. Now, what do you do to Egypt? It's going to be important for what we're going to work through. What he did in Egypt was he defeated all, not all, but the major idols of Egypt. You see, in these 400 years, they had lived and only known people who worshipped idols. All the idols were built on what people could see, what they could interact with, with their flesh, with their eyes, with their senses. And they would worship these idols, and quite frankly, they became slaves to the idols. You do what the idol wants you to do. And the idols are, are built around materialism. How do I make my life better? And they're built around reproduction and sex. How do, I, how do I enjoy it? How do I find pleasure in life? And then how do I... Reproduction was huge because if you're going to become a great nation, you've got to have lots of children to be able to move forward. Now listen, as the, these, these plagues happened, God destroyed their idol after idol, after idol, after idol, all the way up to the big one, which was Pharaoh himself. In Egypt, Pharaoh was the god of the gods. Now, put yourself in that position. All of the powers you know about, everything you know about that's worth worshiping has just been defeated. That, that's where they are. They've seen the, the Red Sea open up. They've seen unbelievable, amazing things. God has shown himself to be more powerful than all of the idols. And he comes to them and says this, And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be my kingdom 
of priests, a holy nation. He comes to them and he says, listen, this is what I've done for you. He did not come to a group of slaves and go, this is what I demand of you. He did not come to them and say, this is what you have to do for me. He he first came to them and he delivered them. It's hard for us to grab a hold of what it would be like to only know slavery, to only know what it's like someone else, some other person is the authority. They make all the decisions for me and they want to kill me, they can kill me. They can take my children. They can sell my children. They can do whatever, whatever they want they can do to me. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to then be taken out of that. Now what? Now what? Now, then God does something amazing. He says, I want you to gather the people together. I'm going to talk to them. Now, make sure they don't rush the mountain or, or it's going to kill them. But I'm going to talk to them. Now, this is really, really important. See, the way they knew to worship God was by what they could see and smell and feel. God only relates to them by his word. God does not give them something to look at. He doesn't give them something to grab a hold of. He only says, I will speak to you. And he speaks directly to them. Just so you know, when he gets done speaking to them, it's not part of the message, but it's funny. When, they get done, when he gets done doing this, they go, hey, Moses, let's not do that again. Let's not do that again. You, you have him talk to you. This is overwhelming. Right? The voice of God was overwhelming. He says, and God spoke these words. So you get, put yourself there. You are there, you're in this mountain, you've, been, you've only known slavery, now what? And God, the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, speaks to you. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Let that hit your heart. I'm not the God who's distant and away, and one of the gods, I'm the Lord, your God. And remember, he said before, I want to make you into a royal priesthood. I want something amazing to happen with you. Who brought you out of Egypt. Again, I love you. I have saved you. Out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, sometimes people think, oh, so he should be number one. He should be most important. God should be number one. I got to get my gods right. I got to get this one. one, two, three, four. That is not what it means. It means this in my presence, no other gods. That's what it means. It means one God, only one God. One God, not multiple gods. Now, this was earth-shattering. They had never heard of such a thing before. What do you mean one God? One God. Only one God does, is the source of life. 
Only one God is your authority. You answer to one voice and one God. It's Jehovah. Number two. Number two is very much like number two, but it gives a different flavor to it. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven or, or on the earth, beneath or in the waters. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. The second one is this. Don't make anything out of the earth and go, this represents God. This is about attention. You see, he said, your attention is to be on me and my voice, the word of God. To worship the word of God from your spirit, from your soul. Not materialism, not where you worship things where you can experience them from your flesh, but your soul the core of who you are. I am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the parents from the third and the fourth generation to those who hate me. We don't have a great deal of time to walk into this other than this piece. God will not accept anyone who wants to walk into his presence with another God. Just think of being a husband or a wife and your spouse walks into the house hanging on to some other woman or some other guy's hand. He's like, no. Why? We can never experience the love I have for you and what I, the freedom I want for you if you're hanging on to someone else. Now, you're there. He's made it clear. Who do you answer to? You answer to him. He is the authority. Number two, all of your attention is focused on him. That's the second one. No images. Where does your image, where does your attention go? To some image, to something? No. To something you created? No. It goes to him. And this is a covenant, so you have a choice. So how do you apply this? How do you interact with this in your life? Well, if you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus has saved you. He has grabbed you from slavery, and he has set you free. If you have not taken that step yet, Jesus has done the same thing for you, but you've chosen to remain in Egypt. You've said, no, I don't need that covenant. I will relate to God based on my own gods, my own things, what I've made, the way I want to do it. But Jesus said, no, I have set you free. And he has spoken to your spirit. Now, this is true for all of you. All of you have experienced some point in your life when Jesus said, I want to make a covenant with you. Come. I, I, want, I want to be your God. So that being the case, 
You need to choose between Jesus, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and many of your other idols. And so I want you to envision that you are in God's presence. I want freedom. That's what I want. God saved me for freedom. But I'm not experiencing it. I need a reset. And so I come before God and I say, God, just like this morning, I, I sing worship songs, which are meant for you to do what? Recognize I have one authority and I have one attention, and it is Jesus. And we want to talk about our lives and freedom and how great it is. And Jesus says, hey, what are you hiding under that blanket over there? What have you brought here with you into my presence? And you're like, what blanket? I don't know what you're talking about. He says, that one. And you go, let's talk about something else. And let's talk about this. And let's, what, about, what about this hard passage? I don't understand this passage. And he's like, I don't want to talk about the passage. I want to talk about what's underneath there. And you go, here? Oh. Well, those, those are just a few of my priorities. Th those are just a few things in my life that I've found that make my life great and that I need. And, and God says, no, those are idols. Those are things that you think are going to give you life. Those are things that have voices and you keep listening to my voice and comparing it to this voice. And you think life is confusing and hard and complicated. You ever used that word before? It's so complicated. It is not complicated. You have chosen to serve the Lord your God while you're hanging on to an idol. Now here's the amazing thing about God's voice. God says to love your wife like Christ loves the church. So you give your life to loving your wife. Did you know that that never produces slavery? Ever. You will never meet a man who says, I am focused on following the voice of Jesus and loving my wife like Christ loved the church. And this craziest thing, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm a slave to it. I just never, it brings freedom. You'll never meet a woman who says, hey, I have given my life to listening to the voice of Jesus, and so therefore I am building my husband. I'm not trying to change my husband. I'm building and I'm honoring my husband. That's what I'm doing. And then they found slavery. You will find many, many men who said, ah, oh, there's this voice. This voice of God 
And then there's the voice of my flesh. The voice of the idol, which is that sex will fulfill my life. It will give me pleasure. It will make me what I need to be. Every one of those men are slaves. They're slaves. Now, I don't know what your idols are. Idols are not complicated. Idols are things that you, that you think you either have to have, participate in, protect. Idols are really this simple. It's anything that when you come into the presence of God, you hide. You hide. It's anything you don't want someone else to see, unless you're out and out arrogant. If you're out and out arrogant, what you do is you proclaim how you believe that this idol is somehow, hanging on to this idol is what God wants you to do. Then you're just, you're just arrogant. You're not listening to the voice of God at all. You are listening to the voice of the idol, and your own voice has become your idol. You have become your idol. So what do you need to do? You need to name the idol. You need to name it. What is it? Oh, my house is an idol. Actually, your house is probably not an idol. What is your idol is security. And what is your idol is uh, pride. And so if your house doesn't look better than everybody else's house, you're a slave to it. You go to work, you're a slave to it. Your career is an idol. Probably your career is not an idol. Probably you made it an idol. It was a gift from God, but you've made it an idol because by your career, you will prove you are somebody. It, it is your identity. It is your value. Where does your identity and come, from, come from? It comes from God and God alone. It comes from his voice and from his word. Name it. Then, curse the idol. What do you mean? No more gray. No more, well, I'm kind of kind of working on that. I'm sort of doing that. No, no, no. It is evil. It is the enemy of God. Name the idol and curse the idol. Call it what it is. It is your slave master. How do you do that? You worship God. You, you worship God. You come into the presence of God. You listen to the voice of God. And you let God tell you, hey, this is what that really is. This is the truth about what that really is. You go to the Bible passages that talk about how, hey, cursing is against God. Not, no, you know, it's just it's what people, it's how people talk. It is evil. It's against God. Name it and curse it. It's ugly. Lust, everybody lusts. No. It is evil. It's a slave master. Curse it. But how do you do that? You don't do that by starting with the idol. You do that by starting with being in the presence of God. You do that by going to God's word and listening to God's word. Listen to his voice. Burn the idol. How do you burn the idol? This is so simple. It's so simple it drives us crazy. 
The way you burn the idol is you obey the voice of God word for word. What do you mean? I just recently had met with a couple and, and the wife was really struggling. She, her vo- she was a slave to her thoughts. She just couldn't stop her head. She couldn't stop her head. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't stop her head. She can't stop her head. I said, and Lori and I were meeting with her. She goes, Lori goes, hey, how, how consistent are you to worshiping God every Sunday morning with God's people? And they went through three months explaining how I couldn't, we, 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 we believe that. We totally believe in God. We, he has, God is our Savior. God is our Savior. And God said, well, in this conversation, God said, wait, wait, wait. What, what's, that, what's that around your neck? And they're like, what are you talking about? What's that around your neck, he said. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you mean this? Well, this is the logical, loving reasons why they couldn't be with God's people every Sunday morning in church. They all sounded great. They sounded fantastic. They were all loving, caring reasons. These are not bad people. But God's word is really clear. Weekly, be with God's people. So, they would have talked forever about the reasons why they couldn't do it. You know how you burn the idol? You stop listening to that voice and you obey God's word, word for word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. I pray for us. I pray for our church that we are a people that say yes to your covenant and to your love and to your salvation. And it's out of that place. It's out of what you've done for us and what you've given us. It's out of your word. It's out of your presence that we identify idols. We curse them and we burn them. Help us to be a people that from our love and from your word, we encourage each other to be set free by obeying your word, word for word. In your name we pray. What are you worshiping? What's your idol? I know that spoke to me. I know that challenged me. What am I worshiping? Am I worshiping the one true God? Am I taking my time to listen to God's voice? There is one true God, and he demands that we have no other idols. So what's your idol? Are you taking time in God's word on a daily basis? Oh, Derek, I can't do that. I just don't have the time for it. Really? You have time for this? You have time for the other idols in your life? I know I was challenged. I know I was convicted. What's your idol? Are you taking time to be in God's word, to hear his voice? Are you taking time to spend with him on a daily basis? Are you making an excuse why you can't be here on a Sunday or why you can't serve in ministry? Are we taking time to 
put into those idols. I challenge you this week. Take time. The time that we spend on all of our social media outlets. The time that we spend working out. The time that we spend doing all those other things. I'm not saying for you to put those things necessarily to the side. But make God your priority today. Take time this week. Open God's word. Whatever that might look like for you. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Take some time between you and the creator of this universe. Don't make any more excuses. Don't put any other idols before God. He demands it.